Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Economist Milton Friedman once wrote, there is no such thing as a free lunch. There's no such thing as a free lunch. And he's right. Someone has to pay, right? Someone, somewhere, sometime, the bill's got to go to somebody. The 5,000 who Jesus fed in our gospel reading, they might disagree with Mr. Friedman. They certainly got a free lunch, didn't they? Jesus generated fish and bread seemingly out of thin air. It was an occasion where the need outweighed the available resources. But it was also an occasion where Jesus had to perform a sign to satisfy the want. Did you notice that word? John's Gospel calls them signs. Not just miracles, signs. What's a sign? A sign is not just a miracle. It's a miracle that tells you something about Jesus. Okay, so when you're reading John's Gospel and you see a sign, it's a miracle that tells you something important about who Jesus is, his identity. So the question before us this morning, as we begin this several weeks of the Bread of Life story, the question we're going to deal with first is, what does the feeding of the 5,000 tell us about Jesus? Specifically, his identity. John tells us that the Jewish feast of Passover was just around the corner. It was late in the day. The sun was going down. Soon it would be dark. And the crowd of diseased and demonized and curious were there. And the place was set. The table was about to be prepared. And so Jesus looks at Philip and says, how are we going to feed all these people? Now, he knew what he was going to do, but he was testing Philip. They saw him turn water into wine. They saw him heal the blind and the lame and the demon-possessed with nothing but a word from his mouth. So Jesus is looking for some slight sign of faith. We, though, tend to see things quite a lot like Philip and Andrew. Philip and Andrew are focused on money and resources. Philip thought in terms of money. They didn't have enough of it. You would have to work for over six months to feed this crowd, and even then, they'd barely have enough for just a bite. Philip saw the problem as a problem of numbers, money. He knew how much bread cost. He knew there was no such thing as a free lunch. Someone had to pay for it, and the disciples' wallets were a little too empty for the task. Sometimes, 
we say with Philip, we don't have enough money to do that. On the other hand, Andrew saw the problem was really about resources. He found a little boy carrying a lunch bag, five barley loaves and a couple of dried fish. Maybe the kid was bringing it home to his mother. And now some guys are taking him and talking about how they can feed this massive crowd with his lunch. Andrew points out that it's just not enough. You can barely feed two people, let alone 5,000. How is is so much going to feed so many? So little feed so many. They didn't have enough resources. Sometimes we're like Philip or Andrew. We say we don't have the resources and what we do have is far too little for the need. The need far surpassed both the money and the resources. What the disciples had in their money bags was insufficient for their needs. The food that they could scrounger, uh, could get up was not enough. Money was not the answer. Resources were not the answer. The situation called for Jesus. Human solutions at this point were inadequate, and that's the point. Jesus can make barley loaves and fish feed thousands. Jesus, note, he assumes responsibility for the people. He takes charge. He has the people sit down and rest on the grass. After all, he is good. He's come not to be served, but to serve. No crowd is too big for Jesus to feed. This is Jesus' mountain. And on Jesus' mountain, there is such a thing as a free lunch. Bread without sweat. Fishing, fish without fishing. Here, all the people had to do was sit down on the cool green grass. He leads me into green pastures. Jesus took a little boy's lunch and turned it into a feast for thousands. Notice how, though, he works through means. Ordinary, humble means. A little boy's lunch. Jesus doesn't turn stones into bread. He was tempted to do that when he was hungry in the wilderness by the devil. That's not Jesus' way to do things. He works through creation. Not around it and not despite it. And so he takes these humble means of five barley loaves and two fish, and he multiplies them beyond what they could accomplish by themselves. This was free bread, enough to fill 5,000 growling bellies. And the little boy even got his lunch back. This was without any cost to the consumer. This is bread that no one worked for. It was free gracious bread. And to drive home the point to those slow of heart to believe, he, the disciples gathered a perfect 12 baskets worth of leftovers. One for each disciple. They are with Jesus on the mountain. And their baskets are filled to overflowing. That's who he is. This, that's the abundance of his grace. He's the one who feeds us abundantly and freely. And he does so without any cost to us. That's what our 
epistle reading starts to get at. He's the one who's able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think. And he feeds us both physically and spiritually. Now we'll deal with the spiritual feeding in the next couple of weeks. Today we're going to focus in on this physical healing. The Lord feeds us physically. Luther put it best in the small catechism, first article of the creed. I believe that God made me and all creatures. He's giving me my body and soul, my eyes and ears and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and he still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and child, land, animals, and all I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support my body and life. He defends me against all danger, guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does out only out of his fatherly divine goodness and mercy. Without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this, it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. That's your God. That's your king, the God who feeds you daily, richly, provides for you without any merit or worthiness in you. The crowds received enough food to fill their stomachs. And how did they react? Did you see it? They interpreted the miracle as revealing who Jesus was. They called Jesus the prophet. Capital T, capital P. The prophet. They mean the prophet like Moses predicted in Deuteronomy 18. A great coming leader who would do for the people what Moses did. Free them from slavery and bring them into freedom. Except the crowd is not thinking about slavery to sin. They're thinking about their slavery to Rome. Jesus' hearers are quick to make that jump from prophet to king. If Jesus is the great prophet promised long ago, then he will lead the people now. The people wanted to make Jesus king that very day by force if necessary. And who wouldn't make Jesus king and he'll put a chicken in every pot and a loaf in every bread box. Put him in charge of the food supply and nobody will ever go hungry again. Said Jesus in charge and world hunger would disappear overnight. An endless supply of free bread for all. Now, that's an economic plan to sure please the voters. A man who could feed 5,000 people could do anything. In their mind's eye, he could probably multiply swords to help fight Roman legions. And so the people see... Caesar's image on the back of the coins are placed with Jesus. And of course they wanted Jesus to be king. Who wouldn't want to be subject to a bread king, a man who gratifies all your desires? Like the crowds, we've been fed. Fed physically, daily, richly. We've also been fed by God's grace. 
We've seen His mercy, His forgiveness in our lives. And we often fail to appreciate what God's doing among us. Instead, we, like those crowds, can look for the wrong kind of Jesus. We can look for a Jesus who marches to the beat of our drum, who does what we want, who simply serves our programs and our desires and our wishes. We can mold Jesus into our pattern. And this passage reminds us to not do that, but to look at the real Jesus. Yes, Jesus is the prophet and the king, but not in the way the crowd thinks. Jesus is not and will not be a bread king. His kingdom, he says later in John, is not from this world. Yet, despite their confusion, they're still right. The signs that displayed, that Jesus displayed in our reading declares him to be the prophet and the king. They point to his identity as the prophet like Moses, the offspring of David. Jesus is the feeder of the multitude, the healer of the sick, the savior of the world, the one who brings new birth by water and the spirit in holy baptism. He's the one who makes water into wine. And that's the point of the second part of the story with Jesus walking on the water. Your translation is wrong. A first-year Greek student should be able to tell you that Jesus does not say back to them, it is I. It's not what it says. Ego imi. I am. That's what he says. I am. And don't be afraid. Jesus is God. This whole passage is about who Jesus is. He's the prophet. He's the king. He's God. Who else can walk on water? But the crowds, that's not the king the crowds want. The crowds want a bread god. Milton Freeman was right, though. There is no such thing as a free lunch, including this one. Someone always has to pay. And Jesus did. That's the kind of king you have. He picked up the tab for you. He paid it in full. Feast is on him. He's the host to the feast. He's the waiter to the feast. And he's the feast itself. It's all on him. It was free for the diners, but it cost Jesus his life. And it's precisely this king, the crucified king, that we must worship. The cross shows you what kind of king you have. A king who comes to fulfill everything that he said he would do for you. A king who pays the price for you. Jesus has come. The new Moses. The new David. The prophet and the king. who The God who walks on water. The miracle shows us that the kingdom of God has broken into this world by Jesus' coming. He is the true and living bread coming down from heaven. He is the king who feeds us richly, daily. Jesus is showing us by both word and deed how he rules, who he is. Jesus is 
showing us his identity. Instead of being served like a king, he is the king who serves the food. He provides for you. Daily and richly, freely, without any merit or worthiness in you. He's the king who continues to come and to feed you. And when he feeds you, he feeds you at great cost to himself. And he comes even today to feed you with the very bread of heaven itself. So that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.